be the best. I want to be the best. Simple as playing. That's why I play the game. To be the best, you have to win. And that's what drives me. Drives me. He's the best player in the game. It's just that simple. There's nothing that Kobe Bryant can't do. He will defend your best player. He will shoot from the perimeter. He will get all in your mug. He will do whatever it takes. He is the most complete basketball player in the game today, bar none. He has an assassin's mentality. I said this week, I said this when the trade went down, and I'll repeat it again. Who's starving more for an NBA World Championship more than Kobe Bryant? There is no one. This guy is highly motivated. Separates Kobe from the pack. From the pack. More than Kobe Bryant. There is no one. Okay. Kobe doing work. On my shirt, he the greatest on the court, and I'm the greatest on the verse. Going for the fourth ring like it was his first. Gotta get the gleam, do it for Kareem. Too full, so nice, my flow so mean. Catch me at the game, sitting next to Goldstein. Kobe Bryant, Nikes, purple gold strings. Kobe in the game, don't get no black, black Mamba, attack, conquer. Basketball beast, rap, rap monster. Turn around jumper or just drive the lane and dunk on dunkers. You know where it's going, it's going down, yo. This is the lake show, but don't drown though. I call him King Bryant, not let the crown show. Definitely, I'm just lost for words. I mean, he's amazing. Pass me the damn ball, I don't need a pick at all. And don't worry about my shot, cause I'ma get that all. Yeah, I drive 40 on your double team, then I drive 81 on the Take a day off, catch you at the top, put the key and get a J off. Baseline FaceTime, tongue out like two, three. Even two, three, gotta love how I do me. Practice while you sleep, practice in my sleep. Straight out of high school, the brackets ain't for me. I will be jumping over you like I got a mattress at my feet and all field Jackson things. You better be passing it to me. I put the master in the piece. Attack you like a beast, and I am starving for victory. And that means I'ma eat. And when they ask you who's the best, then the answer should be me. <laughs> who's the best player in the NBA? Oh, it's still Kobe Bryant. Really? Why? Because oh, you never know what you're going to get. Call me Mr. Clutch or Mr. Automatic. I can post them up, all of them go get the alley. I'm going for the ring, I'm going for the ring. I went to Beijing and came back with the bling. Who they want? They want Kobe. And what he want? He want the trophy, the victory, and the glory. No Shaq, no Robert Ory. Not break them off. Break them all, yeah. You better be where the liquor down, yeah. Just give him the ball and he take it out, yeah. Oh, he properly dishing it to the south, yeah. I'll give it to D Fish on the wing, yeah. Or just a little Ariza do his thing, yeah. Cause I'm great and so is my team, yeah. Do it for magic, it's showtime, baby. I see nothing wrong with doing it four times, baby. I'm the best, yes, and he the best, yeah Don't worry, LeBron, get him next year Now what's defense to an assassin? Killer instinct, murder the basket Then steal the ball back, hold it for ransom It's more than a game, this is a passion Been the all-star, been a champion Free throw line, you hear him chanting MVP, MVP, Kobe Bryant, a.k.a. was Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant.
What's up? What's up? What's good with it, everybody? I want to apologize ahead of time if I don't sound as enthused as I normally do or if I get emotional this episode. It's been a rough few days for me, man, as it has for everybody else in the basketball world. But Sam, what's up? What's good, world? Man, we gotta. We it's only right that we dedicate a portion of this episode to Kobe, man. He, for those who know me. Y'all know that he was he was everything to me, man. He he meant a lot to me. And any I feel like anybody who picked up a basketball, anybody who ever touched a basketball, whether whether you liked him or not, you had to respect him and respect what he did for the game. So I know this has been a very tough time for everybody. It was I'm sure it was tough. I know you an AI guy and it was tough for you too. Yeah, it's it's just it's just a messed up situation all around. It's, it's. I feel like the whole situation is extremely unfortunate. It's one of them, one of them moments that just I don't know. It takes the breath out of you when you hear it. Just thinking about everything that transpired and all of the other lives that were lost as well. I, I want to start off the episode by saying rest in peace to all nine people who were on that helicopter, all eight along with Kobe. Uh, including his daughter Gigi and a couple of the other players, as well as parents and the pilot, and it just, oh man, it, it, that's just a, it, it's like a freak of nature incident. Like you just, that just, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't even want to crash too much itself. We'll, we'll talk more about Kobe, man. Let's, we'll start off by what, what Kobe to you. I'll 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 tally mine up right after you, but I want I want to hear your response. I'm sure the the listeners do as well. Who who was Kobe to you? Well, um, obviously I'm a guy who loves the game of basketball. Um, I I have ever since I first picked up the ball. So I mean, um, Kobe. I mean, as a as a hooper, like you said, like him or not, you had no choice really but to respect the greatness. Um, early on, I I wasn't a fan of Kobe Bryant at all. Um, it really didn't have anything to do with his game, or maybe it did. Um, he he torched up Iverson and them in the finals, so I held a grudge on that for a <laughs> long time. Um, but the older I got, and the more basketball I played, it, it was just like hard not to respect the like when you play and you watch guys hit certain shots or do certain things. Um, you can relate to how tough it is because you're a player and you know, so like you can just, it was just always just, it just got easier and easier for me to respect Kobe's game and him as a person and how hard he worked to be who he was on the court. Um, So yeah, the older I got, I just found myself being more and more of a fan and liking to watch him more and more. Um, Yeah. He, he was just a inspiration to, me and anybody, like you said, anybody who picked up a ball, you had to you had to respect it, and you had to respect his value of hard work, dedication to the game, never backing down to any challenge. Um, he was the best bad shot maker ever. Like, <laughs> That's a fact. Like he would hit the worst shots ever. You just be like, man, like he did it on a consistent basis. It's crazy, and and then he just. He brought that same mentality off the court after he retired. As far as hard work, dedication, he just focused it in a different direction. So, yeah, Kobe was – he was an inspiration to me just for the simple fact that he was one of the guys that helped me realize the value of hard work and dedication to the game of basketball. Yeah, that's that's, that's a fact. Now, I feel like everything you said, everybody can relate to, man. It's, it's, it's just, man – it's extremely unfortunate. As for me, there were two people who were instrumental in, outside of my dad, of course, who were instrumental in me pursuing a basketball career. And that was, first and foremost, Allen Iverson was the reason why I picked up a basketball. And Kobe Bryant was the reason why I fell in love with the game and the reason why I continued to play the game of basketball and why I, I guess attack the game the way that I did it's like you said man he was he's one of them individuals that if they would have told you when Kobe first came in the league that he was going to amount to what he was or what he ended up becoming most people would have been like I don't know about all that like I I don't know I feel like that that's a little far-fetched is how people would have taken that but just to see what he 
started at and to see where he grew to, it was like, man, it, it's mind blowing because he's the true testament of progression as far as the game of basketball is concerned. When Kobe first came in, Kobe was a frail guy that was athletic. And by the end of his game, he still had a very little athleticism. I wouldn't even say very little. He still had some athleticism, but he was known more for the way that he attacked the game as far as adjusting to the NBA and adjusting to his body. Like he knew that he was no longer that guy. So he went back to the the fundamentals that he learned throughout his life, the footwork the the fadeaways to the picking your spots like everything that a basketball player would like to learn as far as the game of basketball is concerned Kobe Bryant had it from being a defender to being an assassin on offense to just flat out being that type of guy to where Kobe Bryant's playing I'm sitting up and I'm watching this game I don't care if it come on at 10 30 I'm watching this game I gotta see it Odds stacked against him, no matter what the what the other team had on their roster. Kobe's one of them guys that you like, man, yeah, they got the better squad, but that the Lakers got Kobe, so you just never really know. Like there were many times where me being a Laker fan, we were just flat out not as good as the other teams that we played. And somehow Kobe always seemed to keep us in those games or even win those games or put us in position to be like Damn, he made us made us proud to be Laker fans. Like it's, I, I'm not gonna lie. When he stepped away from the game after he retired, I didn't I I didn't watch basketball like I did when he was playing. I I just wasn't as attentive to the game, and a lot of people might attribute that to, to the Lakers not being as good after Kobe left. But it had absolutely nothing to do with that. Because even now, with the Lakers being back successful. I still don't watch this like I used to. It's just like there's a piece missing. And now with Kobe not even on earth anymore, it's like a, an even bigger piece of my heart is now missing as far as the love of basketball. Like I just keep finding myself watching old games of him and things of that nature. Like it's just it's, – it's wild, man. So I guess speaking on – go ahead. I was just about to say the craziest thing about it is speaking of old games is when I got the news – I was watching game four of the 2000 finals and playing 2K. Damn. That shit was crazy. I was like, damn. Like, I was literally watching that game when I found out. Yeah, I was I was sitting on the edge of my bed, and my phone would not stop ringing. Like, I got, like, four phone calls in a row from four, four different friends, and I'm like, Yo, what is going on? And, like, I was in the bathroom. When I came out, I saw all the missed calls. And then one of my best friends named Tavon texted me and was like, bro, you good? And I'm like, what's, like, what you mean? What, what's going on? He was like, Kobe just died. And I didn't believe it. Like, I'm like, nah, like, I don't believe it. I went straight to social media and I saw that TMZ leaked the story. So I'm like, oh, it's TMZ. Ain't nobody believing that. So at this point, my heart is still racing. I'm not believing it, but I just, something was like, keep, keep looking, like, this is something to this. I just kept looking and kept looking and kept looking. And I got on a group chat that we're all in on Facebook. And I saw you said the exact same thing that I was feeling like. I'm not believing it until ESPN dropped the story. I don't believe nobody else until ESPN dropped the story. As soon as you said that, I get on the pick and roll podcast Twitter. And the first thing I see is Woj. And I said, no, like you made the perfect statement pertaining to this that was by far the worst woge bomb ever period uh, not even close like that's that's one of them ones where you just like fuck like i i don't know like i don't think i've ever been that distraught and i just kept watching the news and watching the news and i just saw it on a bunch of different outlets and i'm like man a story gonna come up and they're gonna say he survived like Kobe was one of them ones where he was damn near Superman. Like, it just felt like, I don't know, Kobe was one of them guys that I just felt like was going to live forever. My kids were going to grow up, and you, I was going to, like, how Bill Russell is now. Like, he fucking handing out the MVP trophy at the finals, and I just imagine Kobe doing that, me looking back and telling my kids, like, that's Kobe. Remember all them stories I told you? That's him handing out the trophy. Just for me to not have the luxury to show my kids 
Kobe in real life, like him, like as my kids get older, showing him, showing him to them currently is going to be like, it's going to be all old footage and all of this stuff. Like, I, I don't know. It just, that shit is just crazy when you think about it from that aspect, man. It's just insane. This, I, I don't know. I don't even know. Like, I feel like with me, it still hasn't fully set in. I know that it's obviously true, but I feel like it's really going to set in once I, like, see more of, like, pertaining to, like, the funeral, if they decide to televise that or however they decide to move. I feel like it's really going to settle in when I start hearing statements from, like, Vanessa and shit like that. But, yeah, man, on, go ahead. Ain't it crazy, though, how, like, we know that everybody dies, but, like, somehow we still felt like Kobe Bryant was immortal like we man <laughs> it's crazy like we know everybody passes away but somehow we still felt like like kobe can't die like, like that is not kobe. kobe like i don't know man it's just crazy to think that you could be just can you imagine just being that great at what you do to the point to where people think you're immortal like bro like goodness like it's just i don't know it's just amazing to think about that but at the same time it's crazy to think about that like we really felt like kobe just he couldn't die like it just couldn't like not kobe like like you say he's superman how like what the hell kobe right like no he overcame every other obstacle in his life ain't no fucking way kobe died in a fucking helicopter crash like nah that he had a parachute or something right like he got up out the flames. Like he he carried Gigi in his arms to safety. Like I feel like that story would have been more believable than hearing him dead. Like I just, and it's crazy, like you said, like everybody everybody has their day, but it's just thinking about it, people is like, we can't we still can't believe it. Like there's no way. Like it's not that it really didn't happen. It's almost like the day after the day he passed away, I woke up the next morning and I went straight to social media. Like, nah, that shit was not real. It was a dream. Kobe made it out the flames. It was a story going drop saying this just in. Kobe Bryant and his daughter were found. Like, I just knew some shit like that was going to happen. I just kept waiting and waiting and waiting. And then just more details started to come out. And I'm like, damn, this shit is for real. Like, he's really not here no more. But on the, on to, to brighter notes as far as Kobe is concerned, man. Let's run down our top three Kobe moments. These can be on the court, off the court. What are your top three Kobe moments? Well, uh, my number three Kobe moment would probably have to be uh, the 1998 All-Star game. Um, His first All-Star appearance, he was 19 years old. Just the way, like, the way they built up that, Kobe and Jordan matchup. I felt like it was way too early for that. But Kobe ain't give a damn. He went out there and rose <laughs> to that right. occasion like he was ready for that. Like he looked he he didn't look like he wasn't ready, but I mean at the same time he was only 19. Jordan was it's Jordan. Like yeah, this is like, Jordan. And Jordan knew it like I just watched a couple of the little uh the little in game, you know, how they be asking the questions during the All-Star game talking to everybody and they was calling it a showdown. And he was like, first of all, I don't really think it's a showdown. But <laughs> he was like, I'm going to defend myself. You know what I'm saying? He clowning around. But at the same time, he knew Kobe was, like, coming at his neck. And he right. and knew he couldn't just lay Shy down. away from yeah, it. Like, like, it, it. He's I, one of them ones. He knew Kobe was one of them ones. He knew Kobe was cut from that same cloth as him. Mm-hmm. I can't let cut. him lie. I can't, I can't live with myself if I let this young guy out here go out and do something to me. Yeah, and then that moment they had in that game where Jordan hit him with the uh the little fadeaway pump fake, he went up mm-hmm. under, up and under, and then he he taught it to Kobe on the next possession. That was dope, man. That was, that's that, that's one of my top favorite moments from Kobe right there. That's a fact, man. I I felt like as far as my top three was concerned, it was so hard to condense it into top three. So I'm gonna try to do uh. I guess honorable mention. My honorable mention would be uh, Kobe, and I can't remember what year it was. Uh, I want to say uh, 2012, maybe. Uh, All Star game where D Wade broke Kobe's nose, and 
<laughs> D-Wade said, uh, clearly, me being a Kobe fan, I just knew that was intentional. Just knew it was intentional. I'm like, oh, he mad. Kobe was giving him buckets. And crazy thing about it was I was a D-Wade fan as well. I stopped liking D-Wade. I'm like, nah, man. He did that shit on purpose. That's foul. So story came out that D-Wade called Kobe right after the All-Star game just to check up on him or whatever. Be like, hey, man, I apologize. Like, I, it wasn't intentional or whatever. Kobe, <laughs> Kobe's response was, I love it. I love it, young fella. I'll see you in a couple of weeks. And hung up on him. So D-Wade, like, I don't really know how to take that. I don't know if he's upset at me. I didn't, like, I don't know. I don't know how to approach that. So D-Wade's like, we got a showdown with the Lakers. This is when Braun was with the Heat. Bosh was with the Heat. D-Wade's with the Heat. So they're the clear favorite right now. Like, they're just, everybody knows that they're head and shoulders. It's it's like a a, a crash course looking like Lakers meeting uh, Heat in the finals. So they finally had a showdown, and D-Wade, <laughs> D-Wade's exact words were, Kobe made me pay for breaking his nose. He fed it to me the entire night and ended the game off by hitting the game winning three right in my face off the glass. That was hands down one of my favorite Kobe moments. But leading into my number three moment, it was Kobe scoring 62 points against the Mavs in three fucking quarters. Crazy thing about this was Kobe was on pace to score 81. He hadn't scored 81 yet. This was prior to him scoring 81. They asked Kobe if he wanted to play the fourth. Chase a, chase a career high to chase even more than that. Kobe's response was, nah, it's cool. I'll get it another time. <laughs> <laughs> and they came out and scored 81 the same exact season. Like, who does that? Anybody that has 62 in the third quarter with a hot hand? Any outscored the, the Mavs. 62 to 61. Like, what? Yeah. And the coach asks you, you want to go back in and your hand's still hot? And you can get, ain't no telling, with a with a trigger like Kobe. Ain't no telling. I, I, get, I guarantee everybody in their right mind, if they had a trigger like Kobe and they was feeling it had 62 points and they could chase something even greater than that, they're like, yeah, coach, put me back in there. Let me see how – let me at least let me play the first few minutes, see how it go. If it seemed like I done cooled off, then you can pull me. Kobe was like, nah, it's cool. I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll get it next time. And goes out and scores 81. Like, it's almost like he – if Kobe really wanted to, he could have outdid 81. Like, he just has that – I feel like he had that level of confidence in himself. I don't feel like he went out there like, I'm going to score 81 tonight. He went out there like, I'm going to do whatever it needs to be done as far as my team winning this ballgame. And that's what he did. Like, that shit was just insane to me. But, yeah, that, that was definitely my number three moment. What was your uh, your two? Uh, my number two, I got to go with uh, the game winner against the Suns in the playoffs. <laughs> And then we uh, pulled the jersey to the side. <laughs> bro, I don't know why. For some reason, bro, that was my favorite shit for the longest. That's bro. It was iconic. The celebration, bro. It was just like, ah. I just, I don't know. That was, that's one of my favorite moments from Kobe, too, man. I love that shit when he did that shit. That, and that damn underbite shit, bro. <laughs> <laughs> that underbite is the shit, dog. That The pulling would... the jersey to the side, showing your heart and shit. Yeah, that's that's super tough. But that underbite is, that's, that's fucking bro. iconic, too. <laughs> bro, that, man, I was watching the, uh, the game, game one against the Magic, the finals, bro. Yeah, I and just watched 40, that today. Bro, I watched it today. Fight, <laughs> hey, man, that shit right there, bro. That's like, man, you, yeah, man. That when he do that, you already know you are in. Oh, damn, yeah. <laughs> On the opposite side of that, you like fuck. Yeah, you, the underbite. <laughs> oh man, my uh, my number two is uh, I guess it's two different instances, but it all is one basically. Uh, my number two. For Kobe would be the two championships that he won after Shaq um, for two separate reasons. The Magic, the one that he won against the Magic was monumental and amazing for me to watch because it was like he climbed up this mountain. Like Shaq left Kobe and won a ring the next year. 
Everybody was like, oh, yeah, Kobe ain't going to win one without Shaq. He can't do it without Shaq. After year after year after year, after making the playoffs, missing the playoffs a year, getting put out, like it just seemed like it was over for Kobe. It seemed like he was in that boat to where he really couldn't win. Like we knew his greatness, but those that those that greatness wasn't equating to wins. And just to see him finally climb that mountain and beat the magic and be like, yeah, like, I did it. Like, everybody said I won't go win one without Shaq. I'm here. I did it. I can do it as well. Um, That was amazing to me. Then to also see him come back the following year and do something that all Laker greats dream of doing, and that's taking down a Celtics team. And mind you, this was a Celtics team that the year before he beat the Magic did him bad, like, they have made that Laker team look like they didn't belong on the same court as them at all. That Boston Celtics team looked head and shoulders better than the Lakers. And Kobe got his opportunity for redemption and did everything in his power to will his team to that win against Boston. And I felt like that was, that solidified Kobe's legacy. I felt like we already knew he was a legend or he was on his way to it. But after beating Boston and going back to back, it was like, yeah, this is Kobe's league. Like, everything got to go through Kobe now. And it was just like, it, it was an amazing to watch. Like, you never knew who was going to come out on top. But somehow, that Laker ball club and with Kobe leading him, Kobe just, he seemed like he just would not settle for losing to the Celtics again. I felt like he never would have looked at himself the same had he lost to that Celtics team and never had the opportunity to play him again. Cause Boston obviously didn't make it back to the finals after that appearance. So, I mean, it could have been all she wrote for Kobe if, as far as playing against the Celtics was concerned. And that would have had a little chink in his armor. If we're being honest, cause we know what that Laker Celtics rivalry meant. All Laker greats have had that opportunity or all Laker greats that have had that opportunity have had to suffer and, Either you, you come out on top or you don't. And Magic and Kobe, Kareem, they were able to do it. And it's just it was monumental as far as being a Laker fan and being a Kobe fan for him. That was a moment that I loved. So um finishing up, what was your top moment for Kobe? Um my top moment for Kobe was um lighting up the Warriors, tearing his uh Achilles and then going to the free throw line and hitting two free throws. Um I've shot free throws on a sprained ankle. That shit hard as hell. Um, so to hit free throws on a torn Achilles, I mean, to even try it is just crazy. And he just walked off the court. Yes. Like, I mean No help, no nothing. Yeah, that that's my that's my top Kobe moment right there. That's something I definitely will never forget. He he hit two free throws on a torn Achilles and then walked off the court looking like he just tweaked his ankle. Like you would have never known. Yeah, he had us all thinking like, damn, how serious is it? Like he can't damn, he must be hitting and fucked up his ankle. Like you said, like I remember watching that game. And I never in a million years thought he tore his Achilles. And then I heard the analyst saying, and I'm like Nah, he wouldn't have been able to walk off the court if he did that. Like, he would have been in too much pain. Then, I mean, you just – that's that's an extremely iconic moment too. Just playing it back in my head, the only image that I can see right now is him at that free throw line, preparing for that free throw with tears filling his eyes. Like, you could just see the agony in his eyes. Like, damn, like, why now? Because if we're being honest, that particular moment was huge as far as the Lakers season had, had been going. Uh, that Lakers team had Dwight Howard, Steve Nash, uh, those type of guys. They they were had a, a really good team on paper, but they just could not get it together. Toward the end of that season, they were getting it together. They looked scary. Everybody in the league at that point in time has said, the last team we want to see is this Laker team. We don't want to see this Laker team in the first round. We don't want to see this Laker team in the playoffs. They they seem like they finally they're finally getting it clicking, and it's it was like goodness gracious, like right now, like this injury has to happen right now, and like you said, it's just 
that that's a moment that's gonna stick in everybody's head, man. Just watching him approach that free throw line and suck up that pain and the tears in his eyes and just knock both of those free throws down and walk off the court on his own, no help, no nothing. Like that that was Kobe in a nutshell, man. It's that that was definitely a beautiful moment. But my uh my number one Kobe moment was uh, Kobe and Kyrie's uh, exchange at the uh, USA uh, practice. Reason being is because a lot of people don't know Kobe was a mentor to Kyrie, and not not just on a like a typical um, he's an OG in the game. I'm gonna reach out to him for some help. Like he was really like Kyrie's go to, like a, a friend, like. He wasn't just somebody that Kyrie went to as far as moves on a court or how do I approach this. Like, I watched a Kobe interview, uh, I think yesterday or day before yesterday, of someone asking him who his uh, number one protege was. And he was like, I've worked with a lot of people, but the one person that I would probably say is my number one protege would probably be Kyrie because our relationship is on another level. Um, uh, Kobe went on to then tell a story about how, uh, Kyrie won his first championship and won his championship against the Warriors when they came back from three, one. And Kobe says that he and Gigi were on the couch watching the game and they were happy for Kyrie and they're watching and seeing the confetti come down and all of this stuff. And Kobe says then my phone rings and he was like, it's a FaceTime call. He said, I don't FaceTime people. Like if somebody FaceTimes me, I'm not answering because I, I don't like that. Just call me. I'll re- I'd rather talk to you than FaceTime. And he said, I pick it up and it's Kyrie. And so obviously I answered and the same shit that I'm watching on TV. He, I didn't say shit, but same stuff that I'm watching on TV. I'm now seeing Kyrie in the locker room. Uh, with champagne bottles and stuff. And first thing he says to me was like, it it worked. It worked. Everything you told me, it worked. Like speaking on beyond basketball, like him and LeBron were going through a lot of things at that point, and Kyrie didn't really know how to be second fiddle to somebody that great because because he believed he was just as great, just as Kobe did with Shaq, and that's why this particular moment meant a lot to me because it wasn't like just two random guys. This was like two homies like exchanging. Like, bro, you know you can't do nothing with me on that court. Like, Kyrie really believed in his heart and his heart of hearts that Kobe couldn't do nothing with him. And Kobe was like, are you are you serious? Like, you know, you, you soon as I get the ball, your coach will be calling, help, 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 help. And Kyrie said, nah, when you get on me, your coach will be calling, help, help, help. So fast forward to the next season. They match up with each other, and it just so happens that Kyrie gets the ball and he sees his opportunity. Kobe comes out and checks him. He calls the ISO, hits Kobe with every move in the book. Boom, 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 boom. He can't get free. He just can't do it. Eventually, he finds a little separation and puts up the jump shot, and Kobe just smothers it, like just blocks it. like. And that was one of the moments where I'd, I would bet all the money that I have in my bank account that Kobe told him that see little nigga this is what I was talking about you got that opportunity you wanted and I showed you exactly what would have happened if we would have played a full game of one-on-one and that to me was just extremely monumental because it was like Kyrie was one of them guys that just I mean he's he's not an easy guy to defend and with Kobe being up in age and Kyrie being as young as he was I mean, I, if I'm Kyrie, I'm probably liking my chances too. Like, I mean, you, I'll, you a little. I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, I know you, Kobe, but you a little up in age, and I don't feel like you can really do nothing with me right now. And that was Kobe telling him, like, it really don't matter when this happens. I, I'm gonna be able to do something with you. I'm just that type of athlete, and that was extremely monumental as far as uh, my memories of Kobe are, are concerned. But before we get off of Kobe, man. It's, I had some notes here. Like, I was just sitting down uh, the other day just writing about the whole incident itself. And uh, I just want to touch on some of the points, man. Like, 
thinking about it from, I guess, a, a, a standpoint of, like, beyond basketball, or even basketball included, I guess, it just seems like, it, it seems like Kobe knew, like, the secrets to life, if you really think about it. Like, just, all right, as far as basketball is concerned, at the age of 34, Kobe, most people would be, you know, declining in their career. Um, but Kobe was still, he was still ascending. Like, <laughs> he was getting better at the age of 34. It, I don't, It's weird to say, but it's like he had the recipe for, for getting better with age, I guess, rather than getting worse. At the ages of... I'll say 33 and 34. Those those two seasons, Kobe's averages were higher than the previous three seasons. Like at the age of 33 and 34, he was averaging more than he had in the past three years. Like he was really getting better. And it was it was weird. And it's like just when it seemed like he cracked the code to continuing to get better, it's like God was like, hold up, relax. Like I know I gave you this gift, but you're not supposed to be getting better at this pace. Like, at this age, you're supposed to be slowing down. That's typically what's supposed to be going on. Kobe wasn't doing that. He just was not slowing down. And it's like God's only way of of making Kobe slow down was that Achilles injury. It's like that shit happened. And ultimately, I mean, it ended his chapter as far as basketball was concerned. He was never the same after that, though it wasn't his Achilles. It was his knee. But everybody knows that most times those go those injuries go hand in hand. But, yeah, I, I, even after that, like, man, once he ended his chapter in basketball, me, I mean, most people, we just assumed that Kobe was going to be that guy that we saw here and there. Like, he had been vocal about not wanting to be a coach, not really wanting to be – as far as an NBA coach or anything like that, he just didn't want to be that guy. So we kind of assumed that he would like fade into retirement. We had seen here and there and shit like that. And I mean, I was the complete opposite, man. It's like following retirement, Kobe, he attacked the same way. He attacked life the same way that he had attacked the basketball court. It was like one endeavor after the next. And to me, the the one endeavor that stood out the most was that Kobe bought stock in Body Armor Sports Drink. You go to the store, you see Body Armor. It's in the stores now. He bought that. He bought stock for $6 million. Fast forward some years later, and Kobe's stock went from $6 million to $200 million. Like, what the <laughs> fuck? Like, how do you invest six mil and flip it into two hundred million dollars? Like, not just not, you ain't just flip it, double it, triple it. Like, he went to two hundred mil off of six mil. Like that shit is insane when you think about it. Like, I, I don't. It's like he just knew as far as investments and all of that shit. Like, he just, I don't know, man. He he was a different breed, and even if that wasn't enough. He went on to win a fucking Academy Award and a Sports Emmy Award for a short film. It's like, <laughs> what what can't this man do? Like, he was doing every possible thing. Like, shit that normal people just couldn't even dream of doing in a lifetime. He had achieved all of this shit. And, I mean, he was, even beyond that, he was working on a children's book right before he passed away that I'm sure would have been fucking amazing because the way that he talked about it, it was from a standpoint that, People can't really, I don't know, it's, it's it's a standpoint that people don't really touch on for real. It had to do with loss and failure, but he put it in a, a perspective of a kid. And it's like, damn, like, that shit is really crazy. Like, it, it's crazy to think about it from that standpoint. And it's like, you almost just feel like, I don't know, he had the secret to success on and off the court and. God, I just feel like God must have felt like he knew a little too much to still be down here with us, man. That's probably the only logical explanation that I can have for somebody like Kobe being taken. It's like really had the recipe to life. Like he had the he had the tricks and trades to life. Like he he knew what to do as far as investing money. He knew what to do in the next chapter of his life. He I mean, he just wasn't somebody that we were going to have to 
wonder what Kobe Bryant is doing because he was, I mean, he was everywhere. He was still as relevant in retirement as he was being a basketball player. And beyond that, he was a, a, a an amazing father, man. You just, you see him now, like before he passed, you saw him courtside with his daughter teaching her the game. Like any game she wants to go to, he was there like courtside with her. It wasn't like, oh, yeah, here go some tickets. You and your friends can go. He was with her courtside at all of those games, like breaking the game down. Like not just – you're not just here as like a spectator. He knew his daughter had that same mind as him. So he could go to those games and talk to her the same way that, you know, he would approach the game or the way that he would analyze the game by like himself. Yeah, like the shit is crazy and it's <laughs> – it's so sad that she had to go that way. And one of the biggest things that, that I've said is that out of all of Kobe's kids, Gigi was definitely the biggest uh, daddy's girl. Like, she was she was Kobe Bryant. Like, she was the, the second coming of Kobe, whether it be her mentality on a court or just her God-given ability. Like, she was one of those people that just seemed like she was never content with being where she was like she just always wanted to get better from her dad teaching her to shoot the Kobe fadeaway to running a fucking triangle offense at the age of 12 like I'm a grown-ass man and I would probably struggle running the triangle offense and Kobe had his daughter and their AAU team running the triangle and he said it wasn't no basic form of the triangle he said it was all variations of the triangle that we ran with the Lakers and I tell them do this, do that, hit this cut, hit this cut, do this, do that, and the ball's going to be right here. And they're not confused. He said they were like, okay. And they will go out there and execute the shit. Like, that's mind-blowing to me. And for Gigi, like I said, she was – she man, she was just – I felt like she was Kobe. And I truly believe that God knows that if he would have taken Kobe and leaving Gigi here, she would not have made it without him because of how much he meant to her. I felt like it was as sad as it might sound. It was only fitting for her to go along with Kobe because I don't feel like she would have been able to stand being on this earth without him. It just wouldn't have been, I felt like life wouldn't have been life for her. So I'm sad that she had to go that way. It's just, it's crazy, man. It's, it was beautiful to see UConn's tribute though. That yeah. was dope. That was dope. Cause I mean, those who are, follow Kobe and Gigi and all of that. They know that that's, that was her dream school. That's where she wanted to go. I feel like she was locked in. Like she, that's where she was going to end up regardless. It's just, uh, Kobe, it's just was, Kobe was well on his way to helping to grow the women's game. Yes. And that's, that's another thing too. Like, yes, I'm glad you brought that up. Most definitely. Cause I mean, even with the comments he had just recently made about the women being able to play in the NBA and stuff, like he he was helping to grow that side of the game. Um, he he saw that it's it really is some females over there who probably would dog some of these dudes that's in the NBA. That's a like, fact. Because I mean, some of the, <laughs> it's some dudes in the NBA who is just flat out trash. Like how? Like yeah. Like I, how you get here? Yeah, it's, it, it's definitely some girls who who would torch some of them dudes that's in the league. Um, and I think that like when you see these videos of these younger girls, man. I just think that the WNBA is where the NBA was in like this when it first started. So what the sixties, yep, I agree. Seventies, like where it's good players, but the athleticism and stuff ain't quite there yet because the game's kind of new. Because I mean, the mm -hmm. WNBA only been around what thirty years now. Yeah, not that long. So yeah, it's it's getting there. It's going to get there. Like you can see these girls, like some younger girls is dunking now and. The, they're handling the ball different. Like it's going to be different. The, the WNBA is going to be different here in the couple in the next ten to fifteen years. It may not even take that long, but yeah, it's it's coming. And Kobe Kobe saw that and he was helping to grow the game. And he had a daughter that was going to help to do that as well. I agree, man. All right, before we get off Kobe, my la my last story, so we can end off on a funny note, man. I never forget hearing this story. Uh, Kobe went with his family to Disney World, and uh, <laughs> they were his whole family was walking around. This was, uh, I believe, right after he had retired, maybe. And everybody was coming up to him, uh, calling him the goat. Like, what's up, goat? Goat, goat, that's the goat right there. That's the goat. 
And <laughs> I'll never forget. They said this was the biggest, uh, I guess, the biggest sign to show how much of a daddy's girl Gigi was. Um, having uh, both of his girls with him and his wife, Gigi took extreme offense to people coming up to Kobe and calling him the GOAT. So she got, I guess she heard it one time too many and turned around and spazzed on a fan, went crazy talking about, that's rude. That is rude. I've heard that too many times. Don't you ever call my dad an animal. He is a human being. (laughs) Kobe was like, no, sweetheart, that's not what they're meaning. They're not calling me a goat. They're calling me the goat, the greatest of all time. And she, Kobe said, she just had this look on her face like, oh, my gosh, I'm so embarrassed. But that was a beautiful moment of just a a child just being so infatuated with their father to just taking it to that level to where you just think like, yo, y'all not going to keep disrespecting my dad without me saying something. And that shit just, that'll always stick with me, man. So, uh, rest in peace to Cole. Rest in peace to Gigi. Rest in peace to all of the other, all of the other lives that were taken, man. All of them taken too soon. Um, I pray for their families and loved ones and anybody who was touched by that tragedy. I, I hope that y'all find a way to cope with it. I know I'm still trying to find a way to cope with it, man. It's some nights where I still can't even sleep because I'm up thinking about it. But yeah, man, I, I, I hope that everybody finds some type of uh solace in this man um but switching gears man let's let's touch on the super bowl it's finally here man super bowl will be here on sunday man we got the chiefs and the niners man it's like yin and yang you got this high-powered ass offense against arguably the best defense in the nfl what what do you think the Chiefs have to do in order to win this ball game? Um, protect Mahomes. Um, if they can do it, if they can just give him enough time for Tyreek Hill to get down the field enough to get a hit on a couple big plays, I think that's I think that's good enough for them to get the win. But if they allow Forty ers to get a lot of pressure, I don't I don't know if they'll be able to do that, or at least. Make them have to blitz. You got to at least make them blitz. You can't let them get pressure on like only bringing four. Yeah, that's and that's 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 a lot uh, easier said than done, man. Because that that front line that they have is like it's the best in the league. Let's just call it what it is. And with a team like the Chiefs, I feel like that they are almost like the perfect remedy to that because they've got guys that can make so much happen in open space. And they've got the type of guys that you can't really press for real. You're not going to press coverage of Tyreek Hill. You're just not going to do that. Um, Sammy Watkins is a guy that you probably don't want to, you don't really want to press for real. And uh, it seems like McCole Hartman is now starting to emerge as a guy too that you just don't want to press for real. He's becoming dynamic in not only the kick return game, but also in the slot as well. And they Mahomes is a guy that, yeah, and uh, and he's Mahomes is one of them guys that could get it out real quick and make plays that normal quarterbacks can't make. So I think that in order for them to win, I think that their offense won't be too much of an issue. I think in order for the Chiefs to win, they're going to have to stop the run game of the 49ers. You load that box and you make Jimmy G beat you. Because the way that this 49er team has been running the ball in the playoffs, if they come in and do this against the Chiefs, the Chiefs are in trouble, simple and plain. Because this is a team that if they could control the ground and run the ball as often and as successfully as they have in the past, you better believe their defense is going to do what they do because they're going to be well-rested. Uh, their offense is on the field for a while, chewing up clock, running the ball. You got to put them in a lot of passing situations and try to make it as much of a track meet as you can. Because if they can control the clock on the game or control the game on the ground, control the clock, I mean, you're in trouble now because their defense is going to be well rested every time they step out on the field. You want them to be, you want to score quick, you want to either turn them over or make them have to pass the ball. You want to make them 
play uh, fast-paced ball. Almost, uh, I guess, equivalent to like uh, like a, a fast-break uh, offense or uh, on defense. I mean, in, uh, in basketball, you wanted to get up and down the court. You wanted to be a run-and-gun type game. Yeah, and I felt like yeah, if you did the victory right there. Yes, they 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 can't win this. They're not gonna win this slow game against the 49ers. Because I, I, I feel like if it's if if it come down to that, if they control tempo, I think it's gonna be a blowout on the 49ers side. So, I agree. And I think if if it's a shootout, I think it's still gonna be a close game. I think the 49ers still potentially could have a chance in the game like that if. They still have a run success, but the uh, Chiefs is hitting on offense too. I think they could. I don't know, man. I think the 49ers got more more ways they could win the Super Bowl. I think the Chiefs is flat out one way they can win. Yeah, it's like they got to do. This is what you have to do. This is the this is the uh, the formula. You got to go out here and execute it. And, if not, it's over. Yeah, and the 49ers, they can. I feel like they can beat the Chiefs in a couple different ways, man. So, so what what are some of them ways? What what do you think the Niners have to do in order for them to win? I mean, I think if they off rip, I mean they have to run the ball well. I think that's a given. I, I think that they have to run the ball well because we don't really, I don't really, I don't want to say they have to because we really don't know about Garoppolo. He might be that deal and we just haven't had to see it yet granted granted along with that along with he might be that deal I don't think that he is per se but this is a very favorable matchup for him because he's not facing a star-studded defense he can make some plays against this Chiefs defense everybody has and I mean I feel like the defense could come out and take control of the game create a couple turnovers and they can win that way um, like I said, I think they could win in a shootout. Um, if a couple of their touchdowns still come on the ground or something, maybe. I, I, I don't think the, I don't think the Chiefs really got it that big of a shot in this. One. <laughs> I think, as far as the Niners are concerned, in order for them to win this ball game, like you said, that definitely they got to run the ball well. But beyond that, they have got to create turnovers they've got to that's going to be the 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 key to them winning this ball game they can still win it in other ways but the most surefire way for them to win this ball game is to create turnovers now Mahomes isn't a guy that throws it to you that often as far as uh interceptions are concerned he's not going he's not that type of guy so you have to make your make your turnovers count when I say that I mean you want your turnovers to be uh, as de- uh, demolishing to a, a mental as possible. For instance, you want it to be um, a key player as far as a wide receiver or a running back uh, that's not necessarily the start. It's not Mahomes. It's not Tariq Hill or something like that. You want a Miko Hartman or a Sammy Watkins. or I mean, I guess it could even be Tariq Hill. Somebody like that, you want to create turnovers on guys like that to where not only do they start second guessing themselves, but now other guys on the team are looking around like, "Oh shit!" Like last game, they was all out there dropping shit. Yes, and that's something that I tell you what: you come out here and drop some passes and get behind against the Forty ers team. It's all she wrote. You you think you can go out here and get down twenty four zero like you did against the fucking Texans and come back? Absolutely not. This Man, defense Garoppolo. is for real. Garoppolo threw the ball what seven times last game. What like that's not that's not possible for a team to be that successful as far as making it to the Super Bowl and your quarterback only threw the ball seven times. Like what? No. Right, (laughs) right. It's like power eye, like option type offense. That's option numbers. Like you running a, a a fucking option offense when you're only throwing the ball eight times, seven times a game, like. That's insane, but yeah, like I, I like what you said though. As far as Jimmy G, he might be that guy, and we just don't know it yet. One thing for sure about Jimmy G, Jimmy G steps up for the big games. The games that they've played this year, that have gone down to the wire against opponents, the games that they know they really needed to win, like the Seattle game and the Packers game and shit like that. Jimmy G, I mean the regular season Packers game, Jimmy G. 
made all of the plays that needed to be made. He showed that he's definitely a a, a quarterback that can win a Super Bowl, a quarterback that's capable of leading a team to Super Bowl victories. He may not be the most talented quarterback in the league, but he's definitely showing that he's extremely talented. He's not uh, top tier, but he's either probably a notch under that. Uh, yeah, I'd say probably a notch under that. I'll put him probably uh, – I'll say top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL. i give him that as far as performance is concerned. Um, if not 10, definitely right on the outskirts. But, uh, yeah, as far as this season is concerned, I, I'm if I'm the 49ers, I like having Jimmy G on my sideline. He's the game manager. He mm-hmm. seems to get the best out of all his players, whether it be his running backs, um, Whoever. He just seems to be a, a, a leader. And there's a reason why Bill Belichick did not want to give that man up. Mm-hmm. Bill Belichick saw it too. So I, I, I definitely think that Jimmy G is going to show us who he really is. But um, before we get off the Super Bowl, before we end the episode, who are some players that you feel like we need to watch for each team? If you had to name maybe one or two players from each team, uh, obviously, uh, away from the obvious answers, away from like the Mahomes and shit like that. Uh, who are some players that you feel like could could have an impact on this game? Um, I think Tyron Matthew. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I don't know for the Forty ers man. I don't know. I just feel like. I feel like you already know what you're going to get with them. I hate to say it. I don't really want the 49ers to win because I don't want nobody from our division to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> but, I mean, I think they are going to win, though, man. I just – I feel like from the 49ers, the person that I feel like is could be the X factor um, is Marquise Goodwin. And I say that because – He's one of those guys that can take the top off of the defense. Like, he's got top-end speed. He's got a lot of Tyreek Hill in him as far as speed is concerned. So, I would like to see him get involved early and often. And also, Emmanuel Sanders. I think that it's going to be extremely important for their receivers to be at their top, uh, I guess, the top level of their game. Um, just to make sure that Jimmy G is as comfortable as he can be back there. Drops and shit, that could discourage a quarterback in the, on the biggest stage. You want to be on your A game. So I think that the receivers um, would definitely provide a lot, of, uh, a lot of comfort and a lot of confidence for Jimmy G if they can catch some balls and uh, make some plays for him early and often. Because obviously we know his favorite target is Greg Kittle. And, I mean, we know what he's going to do. Or George Kittle, I mean, I'm sorry. George Kittle, we know what he can do. Yeah, after seven times, he's going to have five catches. Fat. So, <laughs> it'll be nice for those other two times for it to be wide receivers that make a play, make a big-time play, whether it be touchdowns or huge games to put him in a position to score. Um, I think that yes. that could be extremely beneficial. As far as the Chiefs are concerned, uh, I like the honey badger, like you said. He he definitely would be huge. Um, outside of him, I would say McCole Hartman, and I say that because, um, I think he has the ability to completely alter the game and to completely neutralize that Forty ers defense by uh becoming a factor in the special teams. If you can uh, put your team in in a position to score or get great field position every time that they kick it off, this defense is now not as effective as it was before because even if they stop you, you got to punt it to them and you're flipping the field. So I feel like even on your, your, your uh, possessions or your series where you may not be uh, scoring – you still have the opportunity to flip the field if you get a good return from a Cole Hartman. And I think that he's one of those guys that's extremely dangerous. Um, I can't remember when it was uh, a few years back. 
more than a few, but some years back when we saw the opening kickoff go to the crib, um, can't remember what game that was, but I could see shades of that happening, uh, just because of who he is. That would be huge. Yeah, I feel like that would be. That's that's like a uh 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 I guess coming out the coming out the corner and throwing a haymaker and connecting right off the bat. And knocking them down. Yeah, knocking them down or even uh creating a huge cut over the eye. Like mm-hmm. it's one of those type shits. Like our offense ain't even have to touch the field yet and you behind. How you feel? You gotta come out here and make something happen right now because if you don't, here comes Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Mahomes ain't even had to touch the ball yet, and you down seven. So he change the whole game. So yeah, I, I like that. I definitely uh, think that he could be a a game changer. So getting into it, man, we'll go. Uh, who you got winning first and foremost? <laughs> I got the Forty ers winning, man. <laughs> I got the Niners winning as well, man. I just I feel like them boys is. That that uh, that defense for one is lights out, and for two, their offense isn't going. Uh, the Forty ers offense isn't going up against a defense that's extremely talented on the other uh, other end. So it's not like they like they really have to worry about a team stopping them. They really just got to worry about either controlling the clock or just being able to put up points and. I think that uh, the 49ers have the assets to do both. Um, so what's uh, what's your score? Mm, I'm going to say 31 to 20. Mm. Let me see where I want to go with it. I'm going to say I actually think the 49ers are going to surprise us and score more points than people think that they will. So I'm going to go 42-31, 49ers. 42-31, 49ers. Super Bowl MVP, who you got? Damn, that's a tough one. <laughs> Let me see. I'll give you. I'll give you some time to think. I got a couple of them. Um, uh, if everything goes as planned, I think the Niners win. I'm gonna go out on a limb, and I'm gonna say somebody that people aren't really going to think about when you think about Super Bowl MVPs. Most times, you think about somebody uh, on the offensive side. Um, I'm going Richard Sherman. Mm. I think Richard Sherman uh, has the opportunity to do it, but beyond Richard Sherman, I like Nick Bosa's chances of winning Super Bowl MVP just because of how he can affect the game. Um, let's say he gets a, a, a strip sack or causes a fumble and recovers the fumble. That right there, if they win that ball game, that's enough because you know he's going to get pressure all night. Um, See, I was going to go with somebody off the defensive line, too, but I was thinking about somebody. I, I didn't know who I was going to go with. I was thinking maybe four. Yeah, I think four got opportunity as well. Out, I was trying to figure out which one of those guys I thought was going to have the best night because I think it's going to be somebody off that defense for sure. I think or, so, or, too. I mean, I guess one of the running backs have a chance. If I had, think if Moser. That's what I'm saying. If he has a night like he had against uh, the Packers, I mean, obviously. They'll, they'll Lights out. Be, yeah, he has. So, I mean, yeah, I guess, yeah, either the run, one of the running backs because, I mean, it could be somebody else's night. Tevin Coleman. They got three three guys back there that can make yeah. something happen. So, you just and never really know. Somebody off, that, or that, somebody off that defensive line, I think. I agree. Outlier, Jimmy G. Yep, because, I mean, he could come up there and throw 300, 350. And it just looked like he outdoed Mahomes. That in itself right there is enough to give him Super Bowl MVP. Mm -hmm. He could go out there and fucking throw for 200 and some change, not even that many yards. But if he was efficient, made all of the plays that he needed to play, threw for at least a couple touchdowns, it's going to look like he outdoed Mahomes. 
especially if he could protect that chicken. If he don't turn it over, it definitely bodes well for him. Protect your chicken. Fact, you got to. If you don't, yeah, on both ends, both ends. I think turnovers is going to be the 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 deciding factor of this ball game, and I think that we're going to see some key ones. I really do. But yeah, man, that pretty much does it for the episode. Is there anything you want to say before we get out of here? Uh, yeah, I just want to say shout out to you and Michaela. Uh, for y'all's new addition. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. For those who don't know, my son is officially here, man. Wisdom has made his arrival into the world. Sam's goddad, too, by the way. So, or godson, by the way. Sam's the goddad. So, yeah, man. We thank you. We thank you for, for being his goddad, being somebody that we can definitely lean on. I don't know. You know, I appreciate the opportunity, man. No doubt, man. But, yeah, man. Sign it out. It's your boy Ish. It's your boy Sam, man. We appreciate y'all. Rest in peace, Mamba. We out.